Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to drlauribethbisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist and accredited advanced gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist, sex, and intimacy coach, and I have been working with people for the last now 35 years to help them create and maintain incredible relationships containing sizzling sex and without shame. We are working through our erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And today the letter is S and S is for statistics. And in this case, specifically statistics around pornography. And to make this a more interesting conversation, I have an amazing guest. Casey Willis, she's incredible. Um, she's a creator and an arts advocate based out of Atlanta, Georgia. She earned her Bachelor of Science in Music Recording Technology from Hampton University and an MFA in Sound Design from Savannah College of Art and Design. After participating in the 2019 Spotify Sound Up Accelerator program, she formed the production company Could Be Pretty Cool, whose mission is to produce unique creative experiences to inspire community building through the arts. Casey has also served as theatrical sound designer, arts administrator, and speaker for local and national arts and cultural organizations. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Bisbee. Thanks you so much for having me. I'm so glad to. I really enjoyed um, working with you on this project, um, which you will tell people about. You could do it now if you want. Tell people about what the project is that you've been doing. Yes, sure. Yes, this is uh, me on the opposite side of the mic. Um, so the project that you are referring to is a podcast pilot that my company could be pretty cool is producing tentatively titled uh, The Vegas Project right now. We have a working title that I'll share at some point. But 
what this podcast is about is essentially taking a look at some of the statistics and existing data as it pertains to viewership and engagement with uh, adult content, adult film, porn, online, and analyzing and sort of overlaying that data with different societal factors, uh, including economic factors, uh, political factors. Basically, what we're doing is sometimes it's by state, sometimes it's by region, sometimes it's just by category, looking to see why certain places, particularly in the United States, have a I don't know, a particular inclination towards certain types of pornographic content and how that that relates to some of their social and political uh, attributes. And so it sounds very nerdy, which it is, which I kind of love. But aside from the numbers, uh, the aim of the show is to bring in experts such as yourself who work in different areas of adult entertainment, um, the medical profession, the social sciences profession, to really put a human spin on what these numbers can possibly mean. So that is the Vegas Project. It's really cool to do. Um, And um, I look forward to when it will be eventually aired when the public can hear it but um so there were the three of us came together with you to do this um for this pilot episode um and so it got me thinking even more about the statistics one of the most fascinating things for me is in looking at the statistics is one thing really stood out really quickly which was uh, the more conservative the state the more restrictive the state the more outrageous the porn and the porn use um so if you were looking for um, who are looking at the most kink and you know stuff that is considered more out there as opposed to standard heterosexual porn. As a general stat, the more conservative the area, the more the, the more there was kink. Yes, that was a a, a fascinating finding um, based on the most recent Pornhub's Insight year in review report. Uh, we discovered nine of the 10 states in the United States with the highest viewership just in general of porn are considered to be more politically conservative, which what I, I want to, you know, let people know that like the goal of the show isn't necessarily to make it seem like we're judging people or pointing fingers at people and saying, you know, look at what you're watching compared to what you're legislating. But we do want to highlight those sort of uh, uh, discrepancies between what it seems like, at least possible constituents and even maybe some of lawmakers um, are viewing and enjoying um, how it contrasts to some of the laws that are being made targeting. Oh, yes, go ahead. You're saying enjoying. I'm stopping you there. Oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I think is interesting is that my postulation here is that they're not necessarily enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, engaging with. Engaging Mm -hmm. with. They're Mm -hmm. engaging with it. But for me, enjoying, enjoying past the moment yes mm, enjoying mm-hmm. past the moment requires that you don't feel ashamed of what you're doing uh yes and so what why i think we see those sorts of statistics is because it's taboo and um and because so when you have people's sexual activity restricted so much and when there are a ton of rules that 
that are not the rules that you're setting that work for you based on you trying things out and deciding what you're comfortable with, but are being legislated, not just governmentally, but through, you know, religious instruction and um, even parental teaching. When everything is so restricted, um, there's no way to experiment, break outside of the box. The, the higher the taboo, the more people are interested in that taboo. Hmm. Yeah. And taboo doesn't work very well. Absolutely. And again, like, I think this is kind of the core of why we wanted to make this show. It's like, I mean, I'm, I am a data nerd. The numbers are fascinating. It's fun to, you know, cross-reference like, oh, this is, this is wild, but it's this, this human piece, this human center piece of, why is there still so much shame and repression and fear of, you know, some, uh, I'm not saying everybody has to have their business all out there, but like fear of someone finding out that I in, I engage with, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, Why is that something that in 2023 we're still dealing with? And most importantly, the people who are most affected by these laws, you know, I live in the state of Georgia, um, USA, and they're just, you know, they're having more legislative meetings about what is essentially Georgia's version of the don't say gay bill. Um, it's, it's like, why are we still trying to prosecute and and legislate people for being who they are when according to the data of what we're looking at with porn viewership people are who they are they're online um just wishing we could bring that vibe into everyday life just letting people enjoy what they enjoy engage with what they engage with and hopefully you know letting people live well i would love to see see it happen where people are letting people live i i I don't feel very hopeful right now. Mm. I'm finding I'm finding things very scary to to look at. I'm looking at from a distance. We don't have the kind of legislation that you do where I live. I'm living in Scotland now. Um, we get we have had some difficult things. I'm not saying there aren't this, some of the same difficult opinions. There are, and then there have been attempts at legislation that are are quite frightening. But um, but nothing that looks like the United States, where I guess last week. There was uh, another bill to try and make um, um, abortion punishable by the death penalty. You know, I mean, like you won't punish, you know, you won't punish a a, um, serial killer with the death penalty, but you're going to start prosecuting women and punishing them with the death penalty. Yeah, it's um, rape. mm -hmm. Rape gets a sentence of two years, but we're going to punish women who have miscarriages. Right. You know, I mean, I just and so all I end up doing is I, when I see all the little dots, I have to pull back and look at the bigger picture and say, what's going on? And what's going on is it, to me is a real move to um, turn back the clock on women, period. Um, and to take away power. So that the society ends up looking like it did in the 1940s and 50s. Yeah, it's. um. It's a very particular type of chaos that is brewing in the United States at the moment. And in some ways, you know, it seems hyperbolic. You you would think you saying like, yeah, there are laws where people are proposing the death penalty for someone to have an abortion is like 
someone just being completely like over the top. And the fact that some of these, these concepts that seem like they're so over the top are now becoming normalized. I think at least from a perspective of, as an artist and as a creative, it's going to require that same sort of opposite. Well, with these laws that are going on, what can I do as an artist that seems completely over the top that can explore ways to possibly combat what's going on? And so, you know, people have asked me, like, why porn? Like, of all the things you could analyze, of all the things that, you know, you could explore to bridge humanity, like, why porn? And for me, it's that same sort of, well, this doesn't seem like a topic that has bridging capabilities. This doesn't seem like if we take time to critically analyze why certain states do certain things, why certain people engage with certain things, that we might be able to learn something about our more broad society. But I definitely think that because of the number of people who engage with porn on a, I mean, hourly basis in the United States, we have those statistics. It's something that is ingrained in our culture and why not use it as a possible building block to say, hey, what is really going on right now and how can we be better people to each other? So that's, that's the goal. And I do think that that, 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 that makes sense to me. I also find it interesting when I look at it, because on the one hand, porn is demonized, although the threats of laws and things never come into any fruition. And now we know why, right? Um, Some of the laws that people have made the most demands about to make sure that children weren't able to access porn, which is is valuable, right? Mm -hmm. With the infrastructure that we have is not possible. Age, you know, you have to prove your age, okay, we all go and prove our age, but there's a workaround for everything. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's been that's been a stumbling block. But the people who have been screaming loudest about that for the longest, and yet nothing happens. And yet um, the laws restricting women's reproductive rights happened. Well, they're not they're not engaging with that. Right. Yeah, there's a huge segment of the population engaging with pornography that doesn't want their. They don't want to say that they're engaging with pornography. But they don't want their right to engage with it restricted, which is why it's not restricted. Not in the ways that they've said that it would be. Also, there's the there's the fact that. if you look to the adult industry to, for new developments in technology, you'll find that many of the new developments in technology come out of people's desire to access porn more efficiently or to access porn in a more real manner, or you know, they, they have to do with adult entertainment because um, people want it, so they pay for it. Therefore, the development happens there. And I, th- I think that the statistics that you talk about really show people want this. The idea that, you know, it's only a very small segment of the population engaging with pornography is ridiculous when you look at those statistics. Yeah. And you're, you're actually leaning into almost 
several aspects of like what it is we're trying to explore with the show. So yes, the socio-political aspect is is a big one, but also yes, the technological aspect of the way that the internet in general has evolved because of porn. The way that things, you know, like the the preview of a video in a thumbnail as you're on a website, um, that was a development that came about because of porn. And as more technology is evolving with this AI and this machine learning and all of the, you know, porn is kind of always the driving force of what's next. And I think that having an awareness of those correlations as well as a society is something that we should start paying more attention to um, in some of our research. Just the the information that the, the adult sites that people visit um, are able to capture about, you know, their, their audiences, the fact that we can analyze, and there's not a lot of, you know, data that most sites put out publicly, but Pornhub Insights is, of course, kind of like the, the main hub. It's like, to stop and think, like, why do they know this? How do they know this? What are they doing with these things that they know? Um, is also a very fascinating sort of through line in this series. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a lot. It is, and I, I mean, I think it's it, it, you know, from my point of view, it's understandable why the adult industry would draw drive um, technical technological change because. Um, sex at a distance is one thing, sex in person is another, you know, in order to create more reality, that's desirable when you're thinking about what, what this is all about, which is about sexual expression, even if it's alone sexual expression, you know, um, VR or, a or AR would be far more pleasurable than on your own with just images, right? The whole sensory experience. And so they've been working a lot towards that in order to try and 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 see that happen soon. Mm -hmm. um, of course, that's useful in all sorts of other industries. So we understand why the drive is there, but we don't acknowledge why. And, and it, 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 it's bizarre to me that people are still worrying about who people choose for sexual partners, as you were saying, you know, here we've got yet another don't say gay bill. Um, although to be fair, I think much more of that these days is focused on um, issues around gender than it is around sexuality. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that none of that gets separated because it's, um, it's advantageous not to separate it for the group of people who are the most conservative, but the reality is the issues people are raising, their concerns mm. are all about um, children and gender really, and, and, and not really about sexuality as much anymore. Mm. Um, people aren't paying nearly as much attention to that. Um, I'm not saying it's not still an issue, it's just much less of an issue, but um, we're paying all sorts of attention to this and in horror, they're they're paying attention to it. They're wanting to restrict it. They're wanting to control it. And on the other hand, you know, spending enough time in adult entertainment and adult pursuits to provide the money to drive the development of really intensely expensive and supreme technology, because that satisfaction is a drive 
because it's a need because we have sexual needs period they exist absolutely another another yes another major component of why this show exists um again, you know, love the data. The data is fascinating, but the data is generated by humans. The data would not be there if a human did not engage with the platform to leave the data. And that's also just sort of like an oddly maybe beautiful, maybe creepy. I don't know. It's the fact that you know, like you said, the the urge, the sexual urge that people have is the driver of engaging with the technology to find the content, to engage with the content. It's all rooted just in our humanity. And while, you know, sometimes, you know, you said this is looking a little bleak. Um, I do. And hopefully this is maintained through the next few years, at least. I, I do have a sense of optimism in a way, uh, particularly when it comes to people recognizing the power of their own potential and their own contributions to society. And so it's that humanity piece. We all have desires. We all have things that we want and need to feel loved and protected and to feel like we're a part of this world. And I want to try to highlight that some of the ugliness that is happening is probably just rooted in the fact that for individuals, those desires are not being met in their everyday lives. And what can we do as people, as humans, to try to recognize that value in every person, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're into? Because I I think that's really going to be the only way for us to combat all of this just insanity that's going on. I mean, I think you're right. I think it's it's really it's always really interesting to me because um, one of the things that people raise about porn, you know, it, people forget that porn's entertainment. So we've talked about that. You know, that porn is entertainment. It's not education. And what we need to be doing is educating people. So a lot, some of the um, shitty attitudes out there are as a result of the fact that people are making assumptions based on pornography, which is not it's still entertainment right it's not there there's Mm. just there's no reality about it and remembering that there's no reality about it but the other thing that i find fascinating is that you can't get from this data but i'd love to see a way engagement time would give you more of this Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. um is that many people engage with pornography in order to masturbate in order to relax, in order to go to sleep. And, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll speak specifically, specifically to female bodied folk mm-hmm. that I've noticed that there's a lot of engagement that is very quick engagement. It's just enough stimulation to get to the place, to do the thing, to go to bed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus the versus engagement that's much more intense. And that if you look at platforms like OnlyFans and you talk to adult performers where people mm-hmm. are interacting with the adult performers, where they, they, they form relationships, it's a very different kind of engagement. And actually we could, if Pornhub were willing, get those, there could, you could do a set of statistics, they could, based on the amount of time that people are on the site. 
Absolutely. There's almost like a, a my fantasy component of this project in a more broad sense. Um, we're we're partnering with um, a brilliant data scientist, Dr. Brandeis Marshall, who has been doing the majority of the, the finding and the cross-referencing and the analyzing. And one of the things that she continuously says is like the data sets that exist that I find that are out there seem to be largely uh, created, curated by cishet white men. And wouldn't it be fascinating if, you know, some of these more granular things that certainly you've been wondering about that I wonder about were out there, you know, there were researchers who were looking at this topic from a perspective other than, you know, how do we stop it? How do we keep it away from people? The reality is women do use porn, women Mm. do consume porn, and um, many women don't admit they consume porn. And it's not because they're ashamed of the acts. They're not ashamed of the sex. They're ashamed of consuming porn because they've been told that porn is, you know, it's bad, is always exploitive. I write for um, a, um, a porn website, an erotica website. I'm calling it a porn website deliberately at the moment because it's sexual material, right? Sure. You know, and actually there, when we talk erotica versus pornography, it, it's not always it's not always different, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are some differences, but it's an erotica site. It's wonderful. And it's a site run run by women. Mm -hmm. It's called frolicme.com. And so the the videos that they curate are very different than your average Pornhub video because they come from a female gaze a lot of the time. Mm Um, and they have erot- written erotica and I've written some erotica for them um, to go with some of the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also written articles. You know, my, my latest one was about, um, is about, um, I don't think it's been put up yet, but is about um, uh, mismatches in libido in long-term relationships. You know, oh, like wow. mm-hmm. people, you, right. Um, so we know women are engaging. We also have Erica Lust, ex-confessions, um, who produces porn from a more female gaze right and so we know women are engaging but we don't really have statistics because they're not the ones who curate the data sets on the nose absolutely um that is I, I keep saying like everything is like what excites me about this project but that the fact that you know the core team is myself uh my production coordinator liz and dr marshall three women three women of color who are diving into this space where you know it it feels a little scary only because there isn't a lot of of a reference for us to say, oh, well, this, you know, woman social scientist has done this study. So if we do it this way, you know, it's kind of like feeling like we're going against what the body of research out there is saying, um, which is exciting in some ways, but also like, I don't know, a feeling of like making sure we're getting it right and making sure, yeah. Against the narrative, not against what the body of research says. Mm, You're mm going against the narrative, which is that this isn't actually something that's worthy of us looking at Mm, mm -hmm. because we should all be getting people to stop doing it, right? So the narrative is- Love that. Right, It's that's the narrative and that's got nothing to do with the research. 
that's the narrative. And it's a shitty narrative because, I mean, we're huge and varied population. And we are definitely consuming this stuff. And when I do groups and when I go to places um, and, and when I, you know, gone to clubs and parties, I mean, we're all there, right? We are all there. So we're definitely consuming this stuff. We're doing it and we're consuming it. And yet we have no data on what that looks like, except for if people are kinky. And then there's a bunch of research that's been done by a great group that isn't just white men, <laughs> um, right? Um, but still isn't a very varied group of people, right? Mm -hmm. but, but it, there's some, you know, and, and still has white men, but <laughs> at least there's some research. And if you look at that research, you can get a better idea of how um anybody else engages but not a great idea because as you say it's not there and i do think it's because we go against the narrative look they're still not putting full clitoral anatomy in anatomy textbooks and they're not <laughs> teaching it to surgeons it's 2023 and sir and you can have it i mean if i had to have surgery down there i would be interviewing my clinicians until i found somebody who could prove to me that they knew the anatomy of the clitoris hmm. pages and pages and pages of anatomy of the penis because god forbid you should cut the wrong thing and they <laughs> should lose sensation right but for us no problem and we're just as complicated if not more so yeah, it's, I mean, that's an angle. I, I mean, there are just so many angles. I think that's another sort of exciting, sometimes overwhelming thing to think about how many aspects of life and of society are tied into whoever is in control, being able to disseminate or stop information. And that, I mean, even, you know, above and beyond what we're trying to do with this project is a very, I don't know, it's an intimidating thing to think about, but with the ways, even like being on your podcast today, like the ways that individuals are able to start to sort of democratize media, democratize research, um, you know, find platforms for perspectives and, and things that, you know, even 20 years ago, you had to really like claw through, you know, to try to get, get an audience and get a space. It's, it's also very empowering. Um, and as long as, you know, we have folks like you and folks like, um, Ebony Mystique and Tammy Rose, who were your sort of co-guests on our, our pilot episode, who are willing to say, yes, I want to share my experience. I want to provide my expertise, I, I still feel that sense of hope of there are voices who have, you know, just this this wealth of knowledge that we just need to, to put in the forefront more. The last, um, particularly in the last four or five years, but a, but a vast amount since Roe v. Wade was struck down, I, it, to me, it's felt even more important to, to be speaking. Mm -hmm. And to be talking about these things and these issues. And I mean, I've been doing this podcast since 2016. Um, and to really be talking about the fact that, you know, our sexual, our need for touch in the first place. Uh, human beings all have a need for touch. It's essential. It's an essential part of life. There's so much research that shows that, you mm -hmm. know, children who are raised without touch, what happens to them is horrific. 
Um, and they're doing more research now about what's happening to people as they're isolated in old age who don't experience touch. Sure. Um, and how awful this is. And so touch as one part, physical intimacy and, and sex are all basic needs. And that the controlling of this is problematic. And so for us to actually be talking and saying, no, actually, this is a need. No, actually, this is a part of life. This is a part of life that you should know about so that you can make actually responsible decisions. I think people sometimes, you know, fight against, they, they take a very polarized black and white view of if we, if we ban the books, which I find horrific, I can't even believe that that's happening. The whole other thing. So, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I just, I just, um, I'm Jewish. So when I see shit like that, I like all my buttons go, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, oh my God, what is wrong with these, this society that we're actually trying to book ban now and, and we're successfully doing it. But if we ban knowledge and restrict knowledge, we actually make all of this stuff worse. all the things that people are afraid of, all the aberrations that people are worried about, the dangerous ones, not, you know, people's preferences, which are mm -hmm. just, that don't hurt anybody. They just don't, they don't harm anybody. But the aberrations that do multiply with lack of knowledge, with restriction and with control. And we know that, we know that from research, we know that from psychological research in so many areas. It's not just sexual aberrations, it's with violence, it's all of this sort of stuff. So speaking out, as you say, it's become much more important to just make sure that there are places people can go to hear information that is different from the party line to be able to know that they're not crazy or bizarre or abnormal, that they're not the only person out there. The other place where I look at that is the way in which therapists are taught to work. And when I was in school, my um, human sexuality course wasn't even required. Mm. And it didn't include, um, it talked about, we, we talked about gay people. Um, we talked about transsexuality, but we didn't talk about anything else. And it was just like a talk about, right? Boom, right? Sure. And that was advanced because this was in the early 80s <laughs> that, that that was advanced that, you know, that that, that was talked about. Um, but even now, there are lots of um, courses for psychologists and therapists worldwide where um, learning about sex and sexuality and gender is not required. Mm. Or if it is, the course only deals with heterosexuality, homosexuality, and that's it. Um, and still doesn't deal with things like kink and BDSM or non-monogamy or any, there's nothing, nothing is talked about. And yet these are the people who are supposed to be helping people. People are pitching up and saying, you know, I need help. And they don't have, they don't have the information. It's yeah. Information and, and openness and, and comfort in becoming educated in something that you may not necessarily engage with yourself. Absolutely is something that I think is going to be of the utmost importance <laughs> of just because if nothing else, learning how to respect someone or something that you don't personally, you know, uh, have any uh, association with or that you don't feel the same way that they do, but just to like 
recognize that they are here on this planet with you, sharing this experience with you. I think, you know, my loftier hippie flower child goals uh, on my deathbed, if I can say that I did things to hopefully contribute to that vibe, (laughs) that's really all that, you know, I want to do and that I hope to do. I think that's, you know... I, again, sorry, listeners for the hippie flower child vibes. I really do. Okay. (laughs) I do believe that a conversation can change a mind and that mind can change the world. And so providing the spaces for these conversations to take place, I hope, you know, to your point, if nothing else, people will just learn a perspective that was not something they would have ever researched or listened to before. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always, I, I regularly hear from people who stumbled upon my podcast. I don't know how. <laughs> say things like, "I didn't even know what that was," and when I heard about it, it's not something I'd ever want to do. But it was really interesting to hear about this thing, right? Great, yeah. Um, and and I'm, th- I think, well, that's great. That and you took the time to tell me that, which means that you, it obviously impacted you in 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 a not negative way because you took the time to tell me about it. Um, and for me, that's what's most important, you know, have the knowledge. You don't have to agree. You absolutely don't have to agree, but you do to be, if you have the knowledge, you can then be respectful. If you don't have the knowledge, it's hard to be respectful. If if the Mm. information that you have is skewed, um, it's really hard to be respectful. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Even in the making of this pilot, I had friends who were like, yeah, I don't watch porn, like not for any reason in particular. I just, it's not my thing. And it's like, that's great too. I want to hear that. You know, there is no agenda other than I want to hopefully take a creative medium. I would, as you said, porn is entertainment and analyze it, critique it, find points of value within it that can in some way benefit society. And that society as a whole, whether you're into it, whether you're not, no matter who you are, getting the information out there for someone who it could potentially be helpful for um, is the greater goal. And then again, through connecting, you know, yourself and and you know none of the guests on the the show and our future episodes are going to be people who know one another it's all like putting strangers into a room to have a conversation which is a radical act in of itself and so yeah I think that it's gonna take more small radical acts of bringing people together to again combat these really large overreaching radical acts that are trying to tear people apart. I think you're absolutely right. Um, So if people want to find you, where do they go? I'm sure. So you can follow us on Instagram at could be pretty cool. Um, All the updates about uh, Vegas projects and anything else that we're doing um, can be found there. Um, You can also go to the website could be pretty cool.com. And yeah, feel free to say hi. That's absolutely brilliant. This has been so much fun. Um, And um, guys, look out for this project. It's going to be superb. Um, Like I said, I had a lot of fun taking part and and the conversation was really interesting. And I can't imagine any of the further conversations are going to be less interesting because 
they're gathering such cool people and they've got this great set of statistics to look at. Um, next week, the letter will be T. If you have um, suggestions, again, as usual, please do send them to me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. If there's somebody you want to hear from, let me know as well. And we are still doing a monthly raffle for people who do reviews. I know how difficult it is to remember to do a review. I also know how difficult it is to um, do a review about something to do with sex and how bad people are worried about being found out. Please just do, you can do it anonymously, but let me know if you do a review and I will put your name in the raffle for 30 minutes free with me. You can talk to me about anything. You can ask me about any questions. It is not easy to get 30 minutes of my time free anymore. Um, it changed a year ago um, when the uh, first um, series of Open House, The Great Sex Experiment came out uh, because many more people were asking for that free time. So this is a great way to do it. It'll probably only take you about three minutes to do a review. Review it honestly, good, bad, ugly, we want to know. And uh, then email me and let me know you've done the review. Hope you have a fantastic week. And as always, be safe and I will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it, but especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.